0: Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Daniel chapter number one, Daniel chapter number one is where we're going to be this evening. And of course we have been i um, just now studying the book of Daniel for this being the second week, and uh, we studied through verses 1 through 7 last week. 1 through 7, and i like to pick up there and, uh, and start reading along uh, uh, there as we jump right back into things this evening. Uh, we said that the book of Daniel is the foremost book of prophecy found in the Old Testament. And uh, what the book of Revelation is to the New Testament canon, uh, the book of Daniel is to the Old Testament. And uh, it covers some of the many things uh, with greater detail than any other place found in scripture, even covers some uh, future uh, prophecies that isn't even covered in other places of scripture as well, this, be, this book being the only one uh, that details those things. And so therefore a proper understanding of uh, all prophecy actually hinges on a proper understanding of this book that we're studying tonight, the book of Daniel. Uh, and the book accurately predicts the rise and the fall of uh, world empires spanning over a thousand years of time. And, uh, and with just precise detail and, uh, and, of course, we realize that the, a- the reason that's able to take place is because uh, it's inspired by God. This is his word, and uh, he is putting his uh, – he's put th- this uh, – his word, into the writers, uh, and uh, they, of course, penned it, humanly speaking, but the Holy Spirit guided them as they wrote, and And Daniel contains more fulfilled prophecies than any other book in the entire Bible. Uh, before we pick up and read, I want to remind you tonight, and I believe I have a slide re- uh, reminding us of these things, that the book of Daniel is uh, divided up into sets of twos, all right? Remember that from last week, and give me that slide there. I don't have this back TV, so you're going to have to just... I trust that I got it going on up back there. Uh, but uh, the first set of two is that the the book is set, is divided into two languages, all right? The two languages being the languages of Hebrew and the language of Aramaic. And uh, chapters two through seven are the chapters that are written originally in Aramaic. And of course, that means that. Uh, that being the, the native tongue and the language of, of the Babylonian Empire and those that uh, had taken the children of Israel captive. Um, then chapter 1, then chapter 8 chapter, through chapter 12 is written in Hebrew. And so with that being said, we understand that there's, it's divided in the fact that it's written in two languages. It's also, with that being said, gives us the realization that it must be written to two distinct audiences in its original writing, and that being uh, the Babylonians and the Hebrews. Uh, chapter 1 and chapters 8 through 12, directly written only to the Hebrew people, of the Jewish people, because the Babylonians wouldn't have been able to read it. But the chapters 2 through 7, uh, the Hebrews, or Jewish people, and the Babylonians would have been able to read it because as they were taken into captivity, as we read last week, and we'll read again today as we kind of get a running start into things tonight, that as these, as these captives were brought into Babylon, uh, what, what's the case? They're being taught the, the, the things of the Chaldeans and, and such. And so they would have learned the language as well. And so we have it divided into twos, two languages, two audiences. We also find that uh, the book has two messages, and that the two distinct messages is that Daniel explains God's future plan for Israel in delivering the promised kingdom, but only after a period of judgment, and then secondly, the, that Daniel demonstrates how God's people are to live in faith even now while they await for the coming kingdom. And so those are the two uh, thrusts of the messages there. And then finally, this book has two themes. And the themes are, of course, the sovereignty of God and God's grace that is bestowed to his people. And so, Four sets, if you may, of twos that it is divided into just as a way of reminding us of introduction. It is written in two different languages to do two different audiences uh, with two di- different messages with two overall driving themes. Now, pick up with me in verse number one of chapter number one. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, uh, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into, the hand, uh, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake to Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the prince's children in whom was no blemish but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in in knowledge and understanding science, science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand Before the king. Verse number six. Now, among these were of the children of Judah Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, uh, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Now we pick up here in verse number eight, and I just want to read just quickly here. And it says in verse number eight, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So last week, we covered those first seven verses, leading us into what we just read here in verse number eight, the, fight, the decision, uh, the culmination of what's going to take place between uh, Daniel and these other three young men, uh, and uh, of course, their new masters in this new land of Babylon, of course. Uh, we saw last week that we we saw the captivity of the people, and with that being said, we understand that God is is at work even in the midst of the the midst of the sins of His people. Right? We taught, we spoke specifically about the fact how it speaks of Jehoiakim there at the first in in, in chapter uh, one and verse number one and verse number two, how they were uh, given into the hands. Mm-hmm. Of the Babylonians. We gave kind of some of the history of that. Give me the, that next slide with a the map there, if you would, Brother Robert. And uh, we said that ba- Babylon uh, was at war against Assyria and Egypt, right? Assyria and Egypt, uh, Egypt had been taken captive or control of uh, by the Assyrian people. Uh, and the Egyptian army was coming up from the south, going up north uh, to Haran. That's right at the very top of the map there. And they were meeting the Assyrian army. As they were making their way through Judah, through Israel, they encountered the, the, the Israeli army, and the, the king at the time, and, uh, and uh, of course the, the, the leader, the Pharaoh of Egypt said, uh, Pharaoh Necho said, uh, God has told me, king of Judah, stay out of this, this isn't your battle. But the Bible says that the king of Judah went and disguised himself, and they led his army against it, and he fell. The army fell because of that. The uh, Judah was now taken siege or under control by the Egyptian army, uh, just let it lay at waste pretty much for a while. They go up to Hamran, meet there with the Assyrian army. The battle of the Babylonian army is two against one, but the Babylonian army still overcame when, when the Egyptian army was heading back to Egypt, they had to pass back through Judah. When they found themselves there, they fa- had found the new king that Judah had appointed. They said, no, no, we can't put up with that because he's not going to f- f- obey our commands. So the Pharaoh Necho put in charge of Judah King Jehoiakim, which is who we read here in chapter number 1, to be the one who leads Judah underneath the rule of Assyria, or Egypt, because they're underneath the Assyrian rule. And uh, it was that king now who is the one that is in charge when Babylon has finally made its way and and completed its power in beating uh, the Assyrian army, making their way down the coast, coming into Judah, now taking these people captive. But we see that God is at work even in the midst of his people sinning. Who was it uh, told? Necho, the, the pharaoh Necho, to tell the king of Judah to stay out of it and mind his own business. God did, but the king of Judah disobeyed. And even in the midst of the sin of his people, God was still at work. We also learned that God is at work even while he's scattering his people. There was a purpose for why he was allowing the, the uh, young men to be taken into the captivity and uh, to be scattered into Babylon. But we also not only saw the captivity of, people, of the people, but we also understood the challenge to these people as well. The challenge is the fact that as these young men were taken into Babylon, they uh, were going to face uh, some, some things that would go against their religious prowess. It would also fight, face some things that were going to try to change them, you know, just inherently who they were. We said that uh, we've got to be careful even in our day today because uh, the world will try to use these same tactics even still today. But we saw that the, uh, ba- the Babylonians, they, u- they, they used isolation to try to challenge these young men and who they were. They took them from their homeland. They separated them from family. They put them into a new place and isolated them from everything. They also tried to use indoctrination, as we read there in uh, verse 4, "...in children whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might, notice, teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans." It was time to go to school, if you may. It was the University of Babylon that they were enrolling into, and they wanted to to just completely transform who they were and change who they were. They even took it a step further in the fact that they tried to change their identification as well. So they used isolation. They used indoctrination. They changed their identification as they gave them brand-new names. And, of course, this sets up the first conflict that we now experience. We've, we the actual one that's taking place. we've heard about the fact that this is this conflict between the Babylonians besieging Judah, taking captive had already taken place, but now we're kind of getting into the first person of things, right? The first conflict that we're going to experience between Daniel's convictions in the service to God and his conflict with the king's authority. i I, I really do feel like This portion here and getting into when we'll speak about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I really do believe that it has as much importance and contextual uh, realization for our day as any time ever. Because here we have young men who are faced by the things of the world, and they have a decision. Who are we going to stand for, and what what is going to be our convictions in this matter? And so we find here this this, this first conflict between Daniel's convictions within his service for God and the king's authority. And uh, let me pray, and we'll jump right into the message tonight. Our Father, we thank you so much for this evening. And uh, Lord, just give me me, uh, clarity of thought. Guide me as I I speak your word tonight. Clear my mind of all the distractions that are taking place this evening. And uh, Lord, I just ask now that your word would prevail and uh, that you would be able to uh, get your truth across uh, to each and every heart that is here Uh, And anyone who might be able to still hear online, Lord, I just ask now that you would just bless And that you would make yourself mightily known in the rest of this service tonight And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen I will say this, it's a very dangerous thing to not have that TV on in the back Because that's where my clock is, and I already speak a long time as it is And not knowing what time it is, that's just going to be a trouble Uh, But I'll try to keep this in front of me, all right? Uh, But we find number one tonight, I want you to notice the determination to do right here we read of Daniel, of course Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or, or their, their, their Jewish names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They are, they are faced with a decision. And this confrontation that we're reading about, it begins just like every other conflict before, that comes before the believer. And it begins within the heart. This was not, although the, the evidences of it, although what's going to ultimately take place, although the actions of it are all external, the beginnings of it begin right there in the heart. It begins inwardly. For we find here that Daniel had a decision to make before ever acting on it. For with the heart man believeth, and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh, is what the Bible tells us. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And my friend, we never act without first having the thought. Now, it might almost seemingly be instantaneous, and that's where there's a danger in having just a reaction instead of having a planned uh, action for the Lord. But we, I believe that as we study this and as we look at this, that we're going to see that Daniel... And and these other men already had their mind made up of what the decision would be before they were ever faced with any decision to be made. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? They already had their minds made up of what decision they would make before they ever had any decision to make. Someone has put it like this in in response to like our church attendance and our faithfulness to church. You just need to already decide that you're not going to decide on whether or not you're going to church. It shouldn't even be a choice in the matter, is what they're saying in that way. And I believe that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are are four young men that had already decided in their heart that regardless of what situation that they encounter, regardless of what the outcome might end up being, that they will always stand with God. And it was a decision that they already had made before they even had to face a decision to make. My friend, I want you to notice in verse number 8 that as they were determined to do right, they were they were striving to withstand the, the temptation of defiling themselves. And we need to do the same. We need to withstand any temptation to defile ourselves. Look at verse number 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he should not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel knew what? was coming and he understood that the choices uh that laid before him and the likely consequences of those choices as well so he had a individual private decision to make you know you were maybe when you were younger and when you stay live with your parents you had the privilege or opportunity to let your parents make the decisions for you but now I'm speaking to uh, I'm looking across and it looks like for the most part everyone's adults in here You know what? Now it's time for us to do some adulting, isn't it? Now we have our own personal choices we have to make. We have our own personal decisions we have to face. And so he had a private decision he had to make. And even before the situation was made known to anyone else, he already knew what the outcomes could be. Before the, tr- the decision, before the circumstances, before the situation was widely known across the land, he already knew what was lying in wait before him. But Daniel had resolved in his heart to do what was right. He had resolved to stay faithful to the things of God. And so Daniel, yes, he considered all of the possibilities of what would happen if he ate and what would likely to happen if he didn't and he knew eating of the, of the king's meat and drinking of the wine uh, would be in direct disobedience to the Lord, in, in, against the ceremonial laws and the things as a Jewish individual. But, and so if he, if, he, if he ate, he disobeyed God and brings displeasure into the sight of God. But if he doesn't eat, if he re- rejects this food and this wine, then he's rejecting the king, the one who's now physically in control of his life. He's in a whole situation. He's in a mess, isn't he? He's, he's stuck, as they say, between a rock and a hard place. Because if he doesn't, if he if he if he doesn't eat, he obeys God, but he makes the, the king mad. But if he does eat, he disobeys God and obeys the earthly king, but ultimately brings displeasure before his Lord. And so Daniel knew what refusing the meat and the drink meant, but he also knew what choosing to take it and partake of it meant as well. With those two options on the table, the choice was what? Obvious, I believe. It wasn't even a question to Daniel. We don't ever see, uh, and and remember, my friends, the Bible tells us God's word, all scripture, is given by inspiration, and it's profitable, all of it. And the fact that it never gives us any insight in the, to, the, to the thought that Daniel maybe had questioned which way was right or wrong, I believe shows us that Daniel even, didn't even have to take a thought of this. I think we get a glimpse of that later on in a few chapters when we find the three, children, the three Hebrew young men as they speak, speak to the Pharaoh, and they said, we don't even have to think on this thing, Right? We don't even have to consider this. We know that, you know, if the God if God chooses to save us, get, praise the Lord. If he doesn't, but, but we don't even have to make a thought of this. We know what we're already going to do. Why? Because they had already chosen to stand with God regardless. And I believe it goes back to the fact that they had already chosen to do that before they were even taken into captivity as well, my friend. And so Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself, it says in verse number 8. The word for purpose there it means to fix or to determine something or to hold it hold it surely and Daniel is determined to remain ceremonial, ceremonially obedient no matter what may come but you understand something tonight that does not mean that he still is not isn't interested in trying to avoid earthen circumstances or situations or, or punishments He's not interested in becoming a martyr at this time. I'm telling you this, all right? He, it, although he knows what the punishment could be, he knows what the consequences might be, if there's any way possible to avoid it, he's all for it. He says, sign me up. I'm go, I know what is right, and I'm going to do what is right, and I know that doing what is right could cost me my life, but I'd rather keep it. And so if, if there was any way for me to do right and still keep my life, that's the path I'm going now. Are you, are you following me? And so we find here tonight that Daniel, he seeks permission of the commander of the, fi- of the officials, or as the Bible tells us here, the, the prince of the eunuchs. And uh, he, he's, he's trying to request permission to forego eating the meat that is provided by the king. I wonder how often if we were faced with a test, if we would come to that type of conclusion or if we would come to that type of a thought process, or are we automatically running to the thought of, oh, we are going to be martyrs for the faith. I believe that Daniel gives us some, some insight on how we ought to operate when things aren't necessarily going our way. And I believe that there, this, if, if this truth is, is ever needed, it's at this time. There's plenty of things that are taking place in our world that seemingly is in opposition to the things of God. And all I'm saying tonight is if there's a way possibly to still do what is right and stand with God and escape persecution, then that's the route we ought to seek for. There's no glory in, in bringing ourselves to the martyrdom block on our own. There's nothing special about that. The Muslim people, they think that that's something special. They think that killing themselves is going to get them multiple wives when they get to their paradise and all these types of things. But my friend, as a believer, the only thing, I say the only thing, it's a wonderful thing, no doubt. Martyrdom, if we lose our life, we go to the heaven, but you understand we lose our impact here on this earth? Right. And so Daniel knows that death could be possible if he stands for God, and he's willing to do it. But if he can stand for God and still avoid death, he wants that option as well, because he just as the Bible tells us of uh, of what? Esther, for such a time as this. And Daniel knew that God had a plan for him, and the word of God commands us, yes, to give preference to God's commands over the precepts of men, but the word of God never mandates that we walk into persecution unless it is unavoidable. And so Daniel's, Daniel's discernment here protects him so that even as he's resolved to, yes, defy the king's order, he was still searching for a way to find pleasure before the king. And he thinks he has a way of doing that by approaching this commander of the court, or the prince of the eunuchs, uh, a, a, the, the one that is stewarded over him and appointed to watch over them. And Daniel asks the commander if he and his friends might avoid defiling themselves with the king's food by eating only a diet of if you may, vegetables. It says pulse there, but that was what it would be speaking of, of vegetables. Vegetables were generally safe for a Jewish individual as uh, they weren't offered as sacrifices to idols often. Uh, they would have been considered clean in most uh, uh, instances as well. and uh, And so we might assume that This steward, this prince of the eunuch, this one who's in command of them, who's working uh, for this pagan king, would just outright just reject the offer. I mean, figure the picture out here. Daniel is faced with the temptation of keeping his life, but defiling himself in doing so. He's withstanding the temptation to defile himself, which could lead in his death ultimately. But he says, you know what, I think i got a plan. I think I got a plan, and that plan is I won't eat of these things. Let me have our, our own diet. Let us kind of do our thing, and, uh, and uh, that way we can still live and we can still serve, but we won't defile ourselves before our God. And he, he submits this request before the prince of the eunuch, the commander that's in charge of them. And one might think that immediately the, pers- the commander is in charge of them, a heathen, wicked, pagan person that doesn't believe in their God anyways, would re- ultimately respond with no who are you to even propose this situation to me? We're in charge of you, not the other way around. You're going to do what we tell you to do. But look what we find here. Verse number nine. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Can I say that as we determine to do what is right, just like Daniel and these three men, we strive to withstand the temptation of defiling ourselves but we also, in the, throughout our life, we should be striving to win favor whenever possible. You want to know why we have days around here where we honor our military and honor our city officials and honor our police and honor our first responders and honor the servants in our community? Because we want to have a name before them that says, we care about you, we love you, we are here for you. We don't want to be the ones who are always breaking the law. We don't want to be the ones who are always trying to cause problems for everyone and claim, oh, separation of church and state, separation of church and state. We can do what we want. You can't get involved because you're in state and we're the church. We want to live peaceably with all men, as the New Testament teaches. And we strive to make, make it known unto them that we are here for them. And if any one of them were to come in here for with a need, we would try to meet it, if at all possible, that we care for them. There's a shed back here, all right? The big, long one. We I, I found that on one of the online sale sites. We organized it to be picked up. It was in the backyard of this person's house. And the only way you could get to it was through an alley, but they had a fence all the way around it that a a a truck uh, with you know a flatbed truck could not get to. So you know how we got it out of there? We had to rent a crane to pick this thing out, put it on the back bed of this truck, and bring it out here. We had everything scheduled and ready to go, and then someone brought up, "Hey, because of the size of it, do you think we need a permit?" I'm just the pastor. I just work here. I don't know. So Brother Steve and I run down here to uh, the permit place, the county office in town. The, uh, we walk in and we say, hey, we need to, uh, uh, we're about to have a, a, a shed delivered. Do we need a, a permit? They said, How, what size is it? We told them the size. Yeah, you're going to need a permit. <laughs> I said, well, I need a permit. How much is it? Well, I, mean, uh, I when are you planning to have it? It's, already, it's being delivered tomorrow morning. Well, you can't have a permit by then. There's no way you can do it. I'm like, I ain't trying to cause problems or anything like that. I want to do what's right. I want to take care of things. But we need it right now. Like, call somebody. Like, let's figure this out. We want to do this right. And uh, they started calling, making phone calls, and praise the Lord, because we didn't have any electricity run to it. We ultimately didn't need a permit. I'm just saying is, when it was brought up, I didn't think of it at first, but when it was brought up, I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. I don't want the inspector to come out here and say, you're you're out of code and doing all these things. We have the fire marshal that comes every year. He walks around, and honestly, I don't know if we're online or not, but who cares. Honestly, he doesn't check us out probably to the extent that he could. He doesn't. But let me tell you something. I want to try to—we I, I do, do our best to make sure we're in compliance with anything that is on that list to make sure that there's no problems there. Ultimately, those things are for safety anyways, and we want to keep you safe. But what I'm saying tonight is this. I'm not here to, with the attitude of, you know, bless God, like it, or lump it, we're going to do our thing, and nobody's going to tell us what to do. That's just, that's just looking for issues. And my friend, I want the type of name within our community that if any type of crazy persecution might come like we're seeing out west of us, that we can come to our city officials and say, listen, we've always gotten along. We've always had a good name. And I know that this regulation here and this, is there any way that we can get an exemption of that? That's what Daniel's doing here. Daniel is striving to win favor whenever it is possible to take place. Now, we're not always going to be seen favor- favorably in everybody's eyes when we stand for God. There's going to be people that are just diametrically opposed to the things of God, and they're going to strive to keep, a, try to keep the things of God uh, at bay and, and and push down. But uh, whenever possible, we ought to strive to win favor. Also, notice this, verses 10 through 14. We also ought to strive to be a a problem sol- solver. Wisely offer solutions. Whenever there's a conflict, whenever we're faced with a decision, and whenever we, we, we ought to always be determined to do what is right, stand for right, and stand on the principles found in the word of God, but let's strive to also wisely offer solutions. Be the problem solver, not a problem starter. We find Daniel comes to the prince of the eunuch, this captain here, or this, this commander, and he says, hey, here's the deal. If we eat that meat, drink that wine, we defile ourselves before our God. So here's what I propose. The Bible tells us that God supernaturally had given him favor before the prince of the eunuch. And so when he gives this this suggestion, the prince of the eunuch says, Well, I think we can maybe try this out. Daniel proposes that for ten days that him and his people take a diet of pulse or vegetables uh, a vegetarian diet while the rest of the group, whoever doesn't want to follow along with that, takes a, a, a diet of the king's portion of meat and wine. After 10 days, whoever's stronger uh, then that one would be able to propose a stay and, and stay strong. Now you know that you understand that the prince of the eunuch probably was kind of worried about for his own life and for his own job because if he agrees to this and Daniel and those who follow this diet weaken, and they're not strong, and they're not worthy for the work. Who's, who's going to have to, to end up uh, taking the fall for that? Not Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the prince of the eunuchs. He's going to stand before the king. He's going to be the one that's, whose head is on the line for allowing such a thing to take place. Now, I believe that 10 days was probably given because in about a two-week period, it's not going to show that greatly overall to where a king who's off in the palace court is going to notice it. But you know who would notice it? The prince of the eunuch, the one who's daily with them, the one who's in charge of rationing them and taking care of them. And, uh, and so, also, another interesting note is this that the number, t- I'm not big in numbers in the Bible, I'm not numerolo- into numerology and all those types of things. Uh, but, but the number 10 does seem to point to a testimony. For instance, the Ten Commandments, a testimony of God's people, the Ten Plagues, the testimony of God's power. And we find here 10 days a testimony to God's provision in these young men's life. But nevertheless, uh, after those 10 days, uh, the Bible tells us that they were able to, uh, to take the, the, of that type of a, of a, uh, 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 of a diet. And, uh, and then the rest of them did their own thing as well. And we find that What ultimately takes place is that these men who took of this vegetarian diet, they came out stronger in the end. I want you to notice that leads us to point number two, that we found number one, the determination to do right. But point number two, we find number two, the dedication that's devoted to the righteous. God always, always takes care of his people. We read in verses 15 through 21 through the end of the chapter. I won't, for the sake of time, I won't read all of them. But I want you to notice how God blesses, how He de- devo- He is dedicated uh, to de- being devoted to His people. We find in verses 15 and 16. Read with me. And at the end of ten days, their countenance appeared uh, fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. We find that God blessed these young men physically. Physically, they were stronger. Miraculously, these boys that, were, that took of this, partook of this diet were not young men that were just kind of skating by. They weren't just holding their own. They actually came out stronger. They actually came out physically better than the rest who took of the, 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 the buffet of food, if you may, from the king's palace. The Bible tells us here, it says that they were fairer and fattier in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. So they, were, they came out stronger than their peers, if you may. And the fact that the Bible tells us that it was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were the ones that partook of this diet and doesn't mention any of their other brethren from, the, from Israel or Judah that was taken captive suggests to me that there were other Jewish people that defiled themselves. We find here that there was a group of people that were taken captive from Judah. But there was only a minority that had determined to do what was right. See, here's the the takeaway from that. If we have not already chosen beforehand to do what is right, no matter what, we will be tempted to defile ourselves when that time comes. But I believe this points to the fact that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had chosen from the get-go that they would always stand for right, that they would always stand for God. And when the time came to make the choice, they had already made it. it, wasn't, it, it, it their choice wasn't determined by the outcome. Their choice was determined by what, who they stood with and who they stood for. And so God miraculously helps these young men to be stronger. And this reminds us that even as Daniel obeyed and followed the Lord, as we said, he only represented a minority The remnant, if you may. I wonder if we were to be faced with a similar situation, what would our response be? I'm afraid that many of us would have to stand before God and hang our head. That we ultimately made a decision based off of the immediate outcome instead of based off of the principles of this book. Because we haven't already determined That no matter what, I'm going to stand for right. I'm going to stand for God. We find that God not only blessed them physically, but God blessed them mentally and spiritually. Look at verses 17 and 20. And for, and for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Verse number 20, and in all matters of uh, wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were, uh, uh, that were in all his realm. Daniel goes on to say in verse number 17 that the Lord's grace toward Daniel uh, was not only physical strength, but it was also matched by the Lord's grace in giving him spiritual strength as well. He grew in also knowledge and intelligence while in the training uh, by God's grace. And God was preparing these young men for his will and for his honor and for his glory. While, While the training program that Daniel and these three young men went through, might have origi- seemingly originated in the mind of a pagan king and a pagan people, it was ultimately part of God's plan. We n- must never forget that. That God was again working in these ways to make these young men fit and ready for his will to be accomplished. We're going to get later on into the book and we're going to find where Daniel's interpreting dreams and it is, he's interpreting the future, the prophecy. We're going to find later on that Daniel himself gets a dream as well, and an angel helps interpret it for Daniel, and that refers to prophecy and things that still haven't even yet to take place. But the only way that these young men, and Daniel particular, particularly, was able to participate and, and accomplish these feats was because God was working in their life, preparing them for such a time for those things to take place. Daniel's situation, though, also, I believe, no doubt parallels that of Paul. And Moses, we spoke of Moses last week, remember? Moses was raised in the Pharaoh's court. He had the best of of, uh, teaching and training by the Egyptian courts. He was ready and prepared to be able to, to lead militarily and all of those things while he was there for the first 40 years of his life in Egypt. That was the physical, mental training that Moses needed in order to lead the children of Israel through the wilderness, Then the spiritual training came on the 40 years on the backside of the desert. Now after 80 years of preparation, he's not only mentally and physically prepared, he's also spiritually prepared to go back and after the 10 plagues, be used of God to lead God's people out of bondage and to the banks of the promised land. What what about Paul? Well, before he was converted... We always spoke of him even Sunday, raised at the feet of Gamaliel. He had the best of rabbinical training that a person could ever have, all preparing him for who he would end up working with and who he would end up presenting the gospel with as he went along in his life in his later years. God allow all of those things that he experienced in his life to be used as a tool for his preparation for his service for God later on. And the same for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You say, why if God, I mean, why couldn't have God just left Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in Judah? And, and God could have still, you know, gave him the visions and God could have done all these things. This was God's plan. And this was how God was working in his life in order to get them ready to fulfill his plan and to fulfill his purposes. But notice, not only did God bless him physically, he blessed them mentally and spiritually, he also blessed them socially in verses 18 through 21. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Mishael and Azariah." Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. Finally, the introduction of this book of Daniel, we said chapter 1 was pretty much an introduction, is coming to a conclusion as Daniel graduates from the University of Babylon, all right? He stands before the king on, on commencement day, if you may, and he, he's, uh, he's uh, giving his orals uh, before the king, and, the, and, he, and they're, they're passing them with flying colors. Him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are passing every, every question, every detail that the king brings before them. They're doing better than any of the other men that are standing before the king that day. And now they are beginning to be given, uh, given authority they're, giving, they're given promotions, they're given positions in the king's court, and Daniel has become mighty, mighty in knowledge, mighty in discernment, mighty in wisdom, but through it all we find that he stays mighty humble as well. And those uh, these things are not are, 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 are not contrary qualities. For the Bible clearly states that when I am weak, he is made strong. And he it, he he resisteth the proud, but giveth more grace to the humble. And when we stay humble and focused on staying, st- standing strong for the Lord, then he's able to exalt us in every other area as well. In fact, these are not contrary qualities. They're as essential complements for anyone who desires to serve the Lord to their fullest capacity. Notice again there, the Bible tells us that he he rated these men, found them 10 times better. I don't know that he had a scale from 1 to 10 or whatever the case might be, but again, possibly another, uh, another uh, reference to a testimony of how God had worked in their life and had provided and brought provision into their life. But As I close tonight, I want you to notice that Daniel is an example of what can come of our obedience to the Lord's word, even in the face of persecution. Daniel's knowledge and wisdom were a testimony to how the Lord helps us rise to meet difficult challenges when we make excellence in his name our goal. Daniel's strength and fortitude reminds us that faith lived out calls for courage. And courage is the result of trusting God's greater power over the power of our enemies. As Paul says in Romans 8, we've studied it recently, uh, if God be for us. Who can be against us? At the same time though Daniel sits in captivity, taken from his home and forced into serving a foreign king. which reminds us of this: God's choice may be for us to serve him even in the midst of difficult situations. God's hand was all over, Daniel, can we, can we deny that? We cannot deny that. God's hand was all over him. God's will was being accomplished. But God's will for Daniel and these other three men also involved being in the midst of a very, very difficult situation. See, Daniel didn't assume that because he was in Babylon that the God of Israel was no longer on the throne. He realized that even though he was facing a difficult and tough situation that God was still in control. Why? Because he lived with a trust in God. He lived determined to live by this book. He didn't have all that we have. Can you imagine that? We've got the complete divine revelation of God, and we still struggle with it. He only had a mere portion of it, but he was completely dedicated to it. And because he was completely dedicated to doing what was right, he realized with 100% faith That as he was determined to do what was right, that God was dedicated to devoting himself to the righteous that stood for him. And my friend, that is still true today. When we determine to stand for right, God is dedicated to devoting himself to you and I. Now as he dedicates himself to you and I does not mean that we get to skate through life without any problems. Because as we see, God was all over Daniel, and Daniel was faithful to God, but De- God chose for Daniel to be in captivity. So the, t- the, the fact that problems exist doesn't mean that God isn't God. The test is whether we will still serve God in every situation, trusting He, is, he has good purpose for placing us where we are. That's the test. That's what, where, where the rubber meets the road, if you may. Consider how the chapter ends. Read with me there in, in verse number 21. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. So I told you it's a dangerous thing not to have the clock back there. But let uh, just recap so we don't miss. The, I mean, this is very important before we close out this chapter. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were taken in captivity from Judah. We learned last week, probably somewhere around the age of 14, right? They spent three years in their training before they went into the court. Of course, um, uh, if the historical accounts are true about how the Babylonians did things, uh, they would take young men at 14. They would graduate at 17 for their service, all right? So for three years, they've been in training. Uh, the first part of that training was a 10 days where they tested to see whose diet was going to be the right one and such. God's grace was upon them, allowing them to not defile themselves because they had determined to do what was right. They just stay devoted to that. Those years go on. After those three years are taking place, about 17 years of age now, these young men are. They're giving, they have been given positions within the Babylonian working order of the court. Ultimately, Daniel would have some leadership roles over all the magicians of the day, the magi, if you may, what they would be called. They were the ones that were the scientists of the day, the historians of the day, librarians of the day. Interestingly enough, we'll learn later on, that directly correlates and ties Daniel to the magi that would come and visit Jesus at his birth. But nevertheless, we find that Daniel and these young men are given a position. But the Bible says that Daniel served in, the posi- in a position in Babylon underneath a pagan king until the first year of King Cyrus. Now Daniel served in Babylon until Cyrus of Persia came in to be, into, uh, into, uh, into uh, uh, rule. They were taken into captivity in 605 B.C., we said last year. Cyrus came into rule at 538 B.C., That means he worked there as a minister in the court of the king for 65 years. 65 years Daniel served this pagan, wicked people. Bringing him to about the age of 90 years old. Was God in control? Was God's will being accomplished? Was God's hand all over Daniel? Was Daniel being faithful to God? Did, Did God ever cease from being God? No. So we realize that God is God even in the face of bad circumstances. And sometimes God's will involves us experiencing a tough time. 65 years of a tough time, if you may, for Daniel. I don't know what it means for you and I. Paul said he asked at least three times for the thorn of the flesh to be removed, and it wasn't. Was that God's will? Yeah, absolutely it was. It was God's will to let him go through this ailment, whatever that ailment was. All I'm saying tonight, my friends, is this, that God is God in every situation. Daniel was completely dedicated to doing, the, doing what is right before God. Most of us would say, oh, because of that, God's going to sweep in. He's going to pick them up miraculously. Daniel's going to just be turned in, just like Joseph. He's going to you know, come into the second command. He's going to lead miraculously, and he's just going to make things right. I mean, even the Pharaoh and the people are going to turn to God. Nope, none of that happened. None of that happened in 65 years of Daniel's service. But Daniel never wavered. Daniel never gave up. Daniel never turned his back on God. Daniel never said, it'd be easier if I just bowed. Daniel never said, oh, I I, I might lose my life if I don't do this. So uh, I'm just going to give up and I'm going to give way to the the things of this world. And God will know. God will forgive me. No, my friend, Daniel stayed, stayed faithful in the midst of it all. And where we would say for 65 years God turned his back on him, we realize, hindsight being 2020, and as we read the scriptures, that God was with him the entire time. The lesson is that we can't measure God's faithfulness by our circumstances. We cannot measure God's faithfulness by our circumstances. God often places us in difficult circumstances expressly so we can see his faithfulness at work. And he may leave us there for quite a while so we can demonstrate our faithfulness to him. Father, we thank you for this evening. I pray that the message was clear. I pray that that in spite of me that your word was proclaimed and, uh, Lord, that you were honored and glorified through it. Lord, now we're about to hear some requests. We're we're going to uh, bring them before your throne, and we ask that you would answer them according to your will and your way. And Lord, we thank you for how good and gracious you are, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you do have a prayer request card that you have not got turned in yet, hold it up quickly. We'll grab it on the way by with Brother Wilhelm bringing those up to me. And it looks like Matt's got one over there. Matt, if you'll meet him maybe halfway, and uh, that way we can get these uh, mentioned. And then we'll go to Lord in prayer tonight. All right, Miss Sue um, had called in earlier. She has a kidney appointment on Monday, and uh, the doctors are a little concerned with her numbers. And so, just be in prayer for her and uh, and that appointment this coming Monday, uh, uh, that everything will go smoothly there. And um, all right, I don't know this. I don't know who this one's from. It doesn't have a name. It just says it is praise though, uh, praising. Uh, a praise for how great uh, God's love is for us unconditionally, that God is love even when we don't deserve it. He still loves and guides us from the lowest point uh, even to our highest and so praise the Lord for his provision in that way. Miss Mona is praising the Lord also that M- Miss Maria is home and praising God for a safe travel and answered prayers. Uh, Matt and Ruby Wells are asking prayer, um, continued healing for their, uh, for mom and salvation uh, of loved ones as well, they have an unspoken. And then uh, be in prayer for the Matt's work schedule and uh, for additional wisdom concerning those matters. They are praising the Lord that He has answered some prayers for them and uh, and some requests. So praise the Lord for that. Miss Juanita is asking prayer. The Rolstons are sick tonight, and so please please be with them, uh, be in prayer for them. And then also uh, uh, Miss Juanita's mom is getting sick. Um, she's not feeling well at this time either and then uh, Brother Kyle uh, needing uh, some guidance and some leads on a job and so be, please be in prayer for Brother Kyle's uh, for that uh, request there for a job uh, brother David Jones is asking prayer. His manager is resigning, and uh, please pray that the transition to the new manager would be a smooth one, and that w- that uh, God would give uh, David favor in the manager's eyes there as well. And uh, he's praising the Lord to be able to be back home safe uh, from New Mexico last week. Uh, brother Terry Evans is asking prayer for his brother Larry, uh, who is in the hospital with blood clots. Uh, maybe had been caused by having COVID, and uh, so just be in prayer for his brother Larry and uh, for that to work out smoothly there. Uh, Jim and Miss Lisa are asking prayer um, for uh, their daughter Lindsay and her husband, is that Jerry, right? Jerry? Um, and for God's direction. Uh, they want to move here to Sierra Vista, so be in prayer for... Um, uh, for that situation and circumstance be in prayer for their full commitment to the Lord and uh, for his work in their lives also so just be in prayer that the Lord will make himself mightily known and uh, give them wisdom and direction concerning those matters there uh, Miss Rudy is asking prayer for wisdom in dealing with behavior uh, with, with Jesse and, uh, and so just be in prayer that the Lord would work there and uh, help in that situation and then uh, praising that Xavier graduated Navy boot camp to, uh, and so praise the Lord for that also Brother Ed Matchett is asking prayer for God's guidance and wisdom in dealing with a situation at work with some of the employees there. And So just be in prayer for Brother Matchett as he helps lead things there and managing things there. And then uh, and Matt over here is praying for uh, Bill Wagner. Uh, for his surgery and also for salvation, and so these are new requests tonight. And if there was anybody online on that happened to leave any requests, there we'll gather those as soon as the service is concluded and make sure we get those in the prayer bulletin and as well for next week. Uh, I would ask that you pray for those who are traveling to Deming tomorrow and or Friday, and then returning maybe Friday or Saturday, uh, and then uh, be in prayer uh, and ask the Lord to uh, just uh, be with the preachers and be with me as I speak on Friday as well. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. And so, find yourself a prayer partner. In. all right, well write that down, please, and uh, we'll make sure to uh, get that in the prayer bulletin. And uh, but we'll go to Lord in prayer, and uh, then you'll be dismissed as soon as uh, you're done praying. All right.